Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Zach on Film. Joining me, Zach, like always, Steven Schleicher. Hey there, Zach. I don't even think I'm supposed to be here today. I hope so. It's your house. And oh. all the way across the internet, Matthew, I forgot your last name. What that? Peterson. <laughs> I was going to call you Matthew <laughs> Lopez. Hell, if I knew it was you guys, I would have been even later. Uh, this week, if you forgot it from last week's episode or you haven't figured it out by the comments made so far, we are talking Kevin Smith's directorial debut, Clerks. I don't appreciate your ruse, Zach. You know, it is interesting. I was watching this film for, I mean, like the fourth time or whatever. And I was thinking... Only the fourth time? What is wrong with only, you? I mean, I only <laughs> saw it for the first time, like four years... No, I mean, it's been a while. I've watched ago. it four times this month. And I thought, what is going to be Matthew and Steven's opening line from the film? Yeah. <laughs> like, what well, it is... was either that or Happy Scrappy Hero Pup. So. <laughs> yeah. Salsa Shark. Salsa oh, Shark. No, salsa Shark. Shark goes in the salsa. Our shark. Uh, so 1994. What were you doing in 1994 when you were first introduced to uh, Clerks, Zach? In 1994, my parents went to the theater and they took me they to probably out. Aladdin. Oh. No, I was alive. Right? I was three. Well, it's depending on what time. Uh, I probably would actually have been two because it would have been what Sundance of 94. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have been. Uh, Sundance 94, I would have been two, almost three, two and a half, two and a half years old. My parents did not take me to watch Clerks. I did not Probably because it was not really in any theaters. I mean, this, for a movie that made, what, $3 million off of a $27,000 budget, it only showed in 50 theaters across the United States, which is super small. So that was like East Coast, West Coast, and that was it. So for Matthew and I, the first time we get to see this is when it appears in... Uh, our local OK Video store in VHS yep. format, and they only have one copy, and it's incredibly hard to get a hold of. My friend Brian, uh, that uh, longtime listeners to the Major Spoilers podcast would know, Scroll Brian, um, he actually had seen it first, and he's like, oh, man, you have got to see this movie called Clerks. It is so funny. It is so, you know, right there and everything, and it's in black and white, and I was like, oh, yeah, I got to see it, and I was able to get it for one weekend. No, not even one weekend. It was a 24-hour rental, and I must have yep. watched it five or six times uh, in a row because it was so good. So I was like, who is this guy? Where is he coming from? And then all of a sudden, Kevin Smith starts popping up on the cover of uh, Premier Magazine, and uh, you start reading more about him. He starts writing. Film Threat had a huge write-up on him, and I'm Mm -hmm. like, who is this cat? And then all of a sudden, he's writing um, uh, Daredevil and Green Arrow comic books and, and all of that kind of stuff. So. You know, this is something that, you know, I can say that I wasn't there on an opening night, but certainly when clerks went wide for majority of the people who were literally our age. I mean, Kevin Smith is the same age that that uh, that uh, Matthew and I are or near enough. I mean, I think he's 47. I'm 46. Um, The you know, this is something that is that film of our generation. And I'm not talking about like, oh, yeah. you know, there's so many others like uh, slackers. People are like, oh, that's the film of your guys' generation. It's like, no, that's the film for the generation of the Pacific Northwest. Uh, right. Clark speaks to the every man person who was in there, who was <laughs> in their, you know, 25 year old, uh, 30 year old uh, span of 1994. We um, 23, 24. Yeah. Um, probably by the time it hit VHS for us, because I know that yeah. we watched it during Oktoberfest, so this would have been 95 <laughs> by the time we saw it. Um, 
that uh, you know this is this is our generation of a of a film, mm. and yep. Smith is 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 talking to us because we are suffering through the same problems that Dante is suffering through <laughs> in this movie. Yep. My girlfriend screwed a dead guy and went into a coma. It was weird. That's very specific. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> so I'm guessing our audience doesn't need a rundown of what clerks is, but just in case, uh, uh, there's Zach. Yeah. What's, what's clerks about? Clerks is essentially, about two characters, Dante and Randall, who work at a convenience store and a VHS rental store, respectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is essentially Randall or uh, Dante gets called in to work at the convenience store early in the morning, and we follow through his day of shenanigans of opening the store all the way until he has to close it that night and through that we meet randall who works at the vhs store we meet dante's girlfriend and ex-girlfriend there's a hockey match on top of the roof because you know what he had stuff to do today and he wasn't even supposed to be working so you know flip the bird to the man i'm still playing hockey uh you deal with gum salesmen people who try to find (laughs) the oldest, uh, the, the longest lasting milk, mm-hmm. people who are having psychotic breakdowns, trying to find yep. the perfect dozen eggs. Uh, it's is essentially about, uh, is a number of vignettes that happen inside of a convenience store in New Jersey. And you forgot the yeah. two most important characters, Jay and Silent Bob. Oh, forgot. Yes, of course. Jay and Silent Bob. The drug dealers. Jay <laughs> uh, Muse and Kevin Smith, the director, play uh, the drug dealers outside of the convenience store who uh, one talks too much and one talks uh, near none and um i like that you say it's a series of vignettes because that's really how it that's really what yeah. makes this film work is there is a through line of look how awful dante's life is and look at how awful his girlfriend treats him and look at randall and how he doesn't really give a crap about anything and you know he starts to have some existential angst when somebody they went to high school with dies mm-hmm. you know these mm-hmm. kinds of things and the only way to capture that is through these little vignettes of someone who wants to come in and buy porn or, you know, get a porn magazine and go back to the bathroom. Uh, sex right. talk, as you said, people that are buying gum and just the ordinary everyday malaise of 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 working at a convenience store. But right. put through this, as we would later find this, this skewed view of Kevin uh, Smith's uh, experience, life experiences. Yeah, he uh, su- supposedly. And I'm not sure if you can actually make the case fit, but supposedly the idea was to do a take on the nine levels of hell from Dante Algieri's Divine Comedy. And so when he breaks it up, theoretically, you're supposed to be able to break the film into nine segments, each one representing a different level of hell. And I think that that kind of disappears in that final film. You can't really trace it all the way through. And it also carries over into his original ending, which I'm sure we'll talk about and is terrible. But well, it's you, certainly you, a downer. <laughs> have you terrible. seen the have it's you seen the original ending? Bad. Yeah. Okay. So in the in the theatrical release of the film, it basically ends with Randall leaving uh for the night and Dante just basically closing shop. Um if you You're watch closed. Yeah, if you if you watch, there are a there's a um deleted scene or the original ending that was shown at Sundance. Mm-hmm. Has Dante uh, closing up and then someone comes in, he says it's closed. 
someone shoots him and kills him and he's just dead on the floor. And, you know, the original thought was earlier in the movie, they had talked about what a downer Empire Strikes Back was. Mm -hmm. And so this was supposed to be that downer ending that was reminiscent of all the Star Wars talk that was going on in the film. Unfortunately, uh, mentors to Kevin Smith said that is a horrible ending (laughs) for this film. You need to change it. So Smith eventually just cut that that bit out and probably for the better, because the first time that you ever see that, it is shocking. It's like, oh, this is a person I've grown attached to and and laughed with and loved through the whole film. And now he's lying dead on the floor, bleeding out from a gunshot wound. And, uh, you know, the implication is that the uh, the assailant, the killer would never be caught because they're disconnecting the uh, surveillance cameras. Earlier in the film has already been mentioned, so it's really a horrible downer of an ending. And, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm forgetting who the distributor for this film. This was like, Miramax. Mir- Miramax. Who is who's the main guy who owns all that? Who runs Harvey the Weinstein. studio? Yeah, Weinstein. Weinstein wasn't it Weinstein at Sundance that told him essentially you just chose that because you had no idea how to actually end the film. <laughs> I swear, like Smith it, has it said that be. at one point. That, yeah, it might they, be. They just said you didn't know that how to end it, so you just right. killed the main character. Yeah, that could be. But as uh, Smith has also said that um, had he kept the original ending in, there would not be, he would not have made any other films. Right. Oh, because there, the there would not be, he would not have the fan base. There would yeah. not be the publicity, everything about this film. Had he kept that original ending in or the view askew universe, which had launched, you know, uh, Jay and Silent Bob strike back uh, clerks Two, chasing Amy, all of that stuff, Uh, dogma, you know, it's all, it's all part of that. So, uh, yeah, sometimes listening to a mentor can really help you out in that case. Yeah. Oh, terrible ending. Such a terrible ending. And so I watched this film for the first time. It must've been like my, junior year of college probably because so i was, talk about this all the time yeah i i i, I was trying to remember the house i was living in i lived in my junior year for the first time so that's when i might have must have watched it and at my age that was i mean what like 2012 is uh where that have been that would have been like 15 i have the 15th anniversary blu-ray oh, copy sure. of it mm-hmm. so it would have been oh, right around oh. there of the film a lot oh, of time just, has passed. It's kind of me watching as a different generation. What did it mean for you watching it? Is essentially the same age as the characters we see on screen? Because I'm I'm sure it's a little bit different than my impact from these characters. Because we were coming in at diff- two different points, you know. Well, so I think that there at least there's a lot of similarities uh, that I think any generation can latch onto. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that there is any one thing that's like, oh, yes, he's speaking to my generation because all of us have been called into work on days when we don't want to. I know that there have been days where I've been told, hey, you are off Sunday and I go out and I party with friends. And then at 530 a.m., hey, so and so is not coming in. You need to be at the radio station at 6 a.m. to do a six to noon shift. And I'm hungover really, really bad (laughs) to the point of throwing up in between songs. Mm So, you know, we've all been there. Mm. We all have that friend. We've all been uh, uh, around people who may not be to the extremes that we see in this film, but they're people that we can relate to. These people that ask stupid questions, these people that have peculiar habits, Uh, this uh, this moment when we're all (laughs) like, oh, my friend from high school has died. That's weird. Mm. You know, those kinds of things. So I don't know if it's I don't know if there's anything that 
necessarily speaks to my generation, but this was something certainly that we were not seeing in other films at the time. Mm. This, is, this is really a series of, of ruminations on bad decisions. And I think those bad decisions are universal to anybody, anybody who's young and having to make these decisions on their own lives, because Randall makes dumb decisions throughout the film and we kind of cheer him because he's a terrible, terrible person, but he also gets away with things that we kind of wish we would. And Dante makes dumb decisions romantically. He makes dumb decisions professionally. He, you know, locks the store to go to a funeral, ruins the funeral. Basically, it's just a series of weird things happening around them because they keep doing the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing or making the wrong decision. And while I feel like the vernacular and to some degree, just the way the characters interact with the world is very familiar nineties kind of take Mm -hmm. it's, it's not like, you know, when I watch lost boys, lost boys is firmly in 1987 clerks is kind of in that weird lacuna. It could be anywhere between about 1990 and 2001 five. I think, yeah, I'm going to say one, I think there's a cutoff point there. Uh, probably, you know, the tail end of 2001, where I think that a, a, a different probably, sensibility happened. Yeah, probably after, certainly after 9-11, I think there would be a different sensibility. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that this film would have played as well after yeah. that point. So, yeah, I can see your point. It's interesting that you say the vernacular because this was also a film where the language was more harsh than maybe we were accustomed to seeing. Because just about every other word out of their mouths are is a F-bomb. is a curse or an f bomb or sexual talk and though there may be times when uh friends talk like that that also was a real shock to see in movies so much so that originally this movie was going to be released with an NC17 rating uh Miramax hired uh, Dershowitz the lawyer to go and argue the case with the MPAA to get it reduced to an R rating without having to edit anything mm. and it was right. amazing uh, Kevin Smith will tell that story about yep. the time that they had to hire Dershowitz, one of the most famous lawyers in the in the land, <laughs> to go and argue an NC-17 down to an R rating for his for his little dirt, dirty film. And I think, honestly, Otter Disaster and I lived together in and around the time that this film came out, and we maybe didn't f bomb as much as this, but I would say that we did definitely speak. Probably, will you stop that woman? Sorry, my wife just walked into the room. We did definitely uh, talk to each other. (laughs) Get out of here. Okay, what was I saying? Sorry. (laughs) We definitely did talk to each other in a manner that was a lot more coarse than you could probably get away with in your average 90s movie. Maybe not to the level of Jay and Silent Bob, but there were days when it happened. And you'd be in a car sometimes when no one else could hear you and it would happen. So I feel like that was kind of true to life. And it may have it. Well, in fact, it did kick off a lot of films and a lot of narratives that did use that that language, that vernacular, that casual use of your obscenities, because that in some cases is how young people will talk. It is. Definitely, if uh, you're not used to a lot of cursing and foul language, a movie that packs it on pretty heavily 
And yeah. if you're not prepared for that, it can be shocking, especially, oh, sure. especially like, if you've got like, your parents in the room with you when you're watching it. Oh, does that happen to you? No, I'm Don't saying for someone like this. you. Oh, yeah. That would be the weird thing if you're in like high school, maybe, and you watch Clerks. Uh, that might be one you watch late at night, like down in the basement with your friends and your parents can't hear. I mean, oh, unless, that, you, unless you have like cool parents or whatever. That first conversation between Dante and Veronica, who, by the way, I love that actress so much. Yeah. Marilyn Gigliotti is Suddenly amazing. She, uh, passed away just recently, right? No, Caitlin? Caitlin passed away. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, the, Marilyn Gigliotti is still alive. Oh, She's, okay. She know, played like, Veronica. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. She played Veronica, yeah. Uh, Caitlin was played by another actress whose name escapes me, and I apologize. But yeah, that first conversation between them isn't full of F-bombs. It isn't necessarily you know, obscene words, but there's a definite moment of, I would not want to watch that with my mother when they're talking about his previous conquests and her previous relationships. And that conversation is another one of those moments where you're like, I've never seen this in a film. I've never seen this in someone's conventional narrative, but I've had that discussion (laughs) at 24. I had that discussion with someone about, these are things that happened in the past and these are things that we did and had, Oh my God, are you serious? You know, comparing those moments. And even though that isn't necessarily full of F words and H words and Q words, it's definitely something that you're not going to be able to show to, you know, anyone under 18 or, you know, you would want to watch it with your mother. I think that first conversation with, uh, the two of them on the floor and they're they're having the mm-hmm. the, the, the discussion of their past sexual experiences is mm-hmm. kind of for me what I would learn to be like a quintessential Kevin Smith scene. Because the first Kevin Smith movie I ever saw was Chasing Amy. Mm-hmm. And I remember specifically watching uh oh Ben Affleck and the girl. Uh, play Julie Lauren Adams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're playing darts in the bar, and it is just like a four-minute take of them just continuously talking and playing darts. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't necessarily seen anything like that before. And then when you watch Clerks, there are a few scenes where it is just camera on a tripod, not moving at all, two characters talking like rapid fire for three and a half minutes. Right. That's like pretty Kevin Smith. Yeah. And that's, that is pretty Kevin Smith because you've got to think he's got $27,000. He borrowed heavily on credit cards. He took money out of his college fund. He basically had quit college at this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had, um, I think he had some other money saved up uh, and he sold and he got some insurance money from a car that he and Jay had owned that got ruined in a flood. So he had all this money, uh, that he put towards this film. So when you are working on a super low budget with film, that $27,000, I guarantee you $20,000 of it went to just the film stock. Uh, (laughs) And then, so you do want to keep it safe. You're not going to be doing a lot of camera movement because that requires a lot more gear. It's so much easier to lock a, lock a shot off and be able to shoot and not have to worry about a bunch of extra lighting or any of that other stuff. And the other thing, too, is Kevin Smith is very wordy and verbose, and he does like to have the verbal exchange is more important than anything that he's doing visually. So yep. locking the camera off, letting the characters go for three minutes and doing one long take instead of, you know, breaking it up and doing three or five or ten different takes from different angles mm-hmm. uh, certainly is his style and I think helps this helps this movie out tremendously. 
Yeah, and there's actually, now that you mention that, there is a sequence, and I can't remember, uh, Parrish, forgive, you know, forgive me, Master Kevin, for not remembering your teachings, um, but there's a sequence where Dante is talking to Randall, and they're arguing about something, and we cut to a shot of Jay stealing. Jay stealing something mm-hmm. and stuffing like cupcakes in his mouth, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's entirely there because Kevin was directing and somehow managed to ruin some video or overexpose part of that video, and they had to cover it with something, and he didn't have enough money to reshoot. So they actually took the you know put the inserts of Jay mindlessly stealing things in there to cover the fact that they had a chunk of bad film, and they couldn't afford reshoots, and mm-hmm. there wasn't really any other option, but. That actually, to me, kind of adds to the charm of the story. It's sort of a day in the life of RST video and the quick stop. And if you look at it from that perspective, Dante and Randall and and the the boys don't really matter at all, which I think is kind of a fascinating look at the film, too, which may take it a little further than you need to because it's not necessarily – your highfalutin film experiment. No, I mean, it's it's not. I mean, there's nothing really special about it. But it. But again, we've already talked about how it talks to so many people as far as what it means to them and how it connected with them. You also have to think yeah. that the people that are, that are doing so many films today were inspired from Kevin Smith. Now, granted, we can look at uh, Robert Rodriguez and uh, El Mariachi, and that was, again, another one that he was funding based on him selling his body to science uh, to get the money to raise that film. And he did it in a very unique way and he's gone on and done his own thing. But I don't think that uh, young filmmakers at the time really knew what El Mariachi was because it had already been remade for a higher budget. So the original version is not as well known, but clerks is something everyone can go and look at premiere or look at film, look or film thread or whatever and say, Here's this kid that funded this film on credit cards, and now he's a big deal, and look what he's doing. And I honestly believe that Kevin Smith has done more for independent filmmaking than anyone else ever. And that's a pretty bold statement. I would actually agree with you on this. I think that the fact that this... What what might have in the 70s been, you know, kind of a, an exploitation niche thing or in the 60s would have been a movie that no one would make. Uh, it, but in 1990, somehow they managed to make this not just commercially viable, but turn it into a career for Kevin Smith. And I, I say they because I feel like there there are other people who have really really contributed oh sure scott mosher like you know uh, scott is, mosher is probably i feel like harvey one. weinstein and, and miramax have mm-hmm. you know have some input on that as well but yeah the fact that they took this this film that is riddled with continuity and structural errors that is very in some in some cases and i love smith dialogue i love smith dialogue i put him right up there with your joss whedon i put him right up there with your chris claremont in masters of writing dialogue that literally no one would ever say, but you don't think about it while it's happening. Right. I love Kevin Smith dialogue, but there are chunks of this film where you just, you, you marvel at the fact that uh, Jeff and what's his face are actually able to spit this out and have it sound anywhere near naturalistic. And somehow Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. even with those, you know, those moments that are, questionable it somehow manages to transcend itself and become something bigger the the where the place where it really sticks out for me is dante and the old man hey sunny boy yeah yeah uh, you got any of the rough stuff in there 
that conversation is very stilted and very awkward, and it feels like a conversation that someone sat down and wrote, but it also feels right, and it feels somehow naturalistic while being completely unnatural, and it flows really well. And you have to you have to chalk that up not just to you know Kevin Smith as a filmmaker, but also the guy saying it and the cinematographer just putting it all together into something more than the sum of the parts. And and for me, so this is three or four times watching this film. For me, I think Kevin's dialogue is better when it's not done in one take, because mm. the long takes for me. Um, you know, b- between Dante and Randall and uh, like Dante and Veronica can, when it's locked camera, two people, a lot of dialogue. And like, again, this is a first time director, like not no actors, really. It's just like right, people. Right, they people find, I knew, yeah. It, it comes off because it's so, it's so fast, mm-hmm. but it, there, no one's talking over each other. It's like, my line at end, your line starts. My line right, ends, right. your line starts. Right. To me, it, at times, it feels like a really well done high school play. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like remember when I well, remember, I, mean, is, I remember I mean, being in plays. Literally, this is his first. I, I know, film, right? and so I'm like, not like a huge criticism, or no. like I don't like hold it against him. No, but you're right. He, it does but, kind but of but slow like, down the pace a little bit. Yeah, and because it, it's so, and it, it seems weird to say it's so well timed out that it doesn't feel right because mm-hmm. people don't usually wait until the end of a sentence to start talking when they're, when they're conversing with someone and especially how complex and in like yeah. unimaginably like dense their sentence are sentences are yeah. it's like they are yeah. like memorized a really good script that's right Zach. i so totally agree with you. <laughs> you're so obsessed with making this all seem so much more epic so much more important than just a podcast zach you work at a podcast zach and badly i might add now i work in seven <laughs> different podcasts badly as well but you know that rodrigo guy's got it right he's got no illusions about what he does <laughs> sorry i can quote this particular movie chapter and verse and uh, actually, if you pay attention to the podcast that I'm on, I probably actually have. But but you but you know what I mean about it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, From it's a, a structure standpoint, if yeah. you could have done you know like over the shoulders and reverses and close ups and all of that stuff, and had the luxury of having a budget to do sure. that, sure. Um, I I don't know if the quaintness of the film, if it would still be there or not. No, that's I, fine. I think that. I think that Part of this appeal is, oh, this is something that I did. You know, this is something that the person right. watching at home is like, oh, I can do this. Right. And I it think doesn't have that big budget feel to it. It feels like, oh, I have access to a VHS camera. I can go do this. Right. I, I yep. think that's the big thing of Clerks, that it isn't a, a movie that will go down in history as the most amazing looking best written no. indie film ever made even in I, America, but it will be, but again, it, it is would, no, I think the story in what it did for future filmmakers and Kevin and like exploded Sundance, like Sundance probably yeah. has a lot to this movie and just so many other things makes this movie better. If, if you, if you subtract all of that, it's, it's yeah. still a fun movie, but it's not, what we know clerks to be today. Yeah. 
I'm just trying to think if this, you know, I said that this is probably one of the most, uh, what did I say? Inspiring, uh, indie, indie films. I wonder if this is the most important indie film. I don't know if that is true or not, but I I, as far as having a, a lasting legacy and having impact. I think that much as with, uh, our discussion a couple of weeks ago on the black hole and how it really stayed with me, I think that there's a possibility that people of the Generation X type uh, mindset, Stephen and myself and a couple of million other people, w- could make that case. But I feel like that may also be based on that the zeitgeist of the times and how impressive and how transformative it was, not just for movies, but for bits and pieces of pop culture in general. I mean... If you look at what Kevin Smith went on to do, if you look at, you know, Clerks, the animated series, (laughs) I love that show. But if you look at the movies that Kevin Smith made after this, I think that it's definitely something you could make a case as one of the most influential. Sure. I I mean, you could you could make a case of, you know, the most influential independent movie of the last 25 years for certain. Certainly when you look at it, it'd be it'd be more than 25 years ago now. Yeah. But I mean, you look at. Chasing Amy, that had mm-hmm. a lot of good relationship kind of things in it. Yeah. Um, and had some half like a career. Well, no, I wouldn't say that because well, probably of, Good Will uh, Hunting. Good Will Hunting, yeah. But certainly, how are you going to make Good Will Hunting if they don't know you from uh, that? How are they going to know? I think Good Will Hunting came out before Chasing Amy. Oh no, it didn't. You sure? No, didn't. I have I'd no have idea. to double check. No, but not. then you look I'm at really Dogma not, so. again. Uh, Take It Religion really got a lot of people upset. Probably yeah. his most well at, at the time it was his highest budgeted biggest star cast in there. Uh, and then you have all of a sudden clerks or, uh, what was the, uh, Jennifer Lopez, uh, movie. Oh, Geely. Geely. Yeah. You had that movie, which totally flopped. I went to that movie. This is my Geely story. I went to that movie with a girl named Lindsay. We came in five minutes late and we're like, Hey, is it too late to see Geely? He's like, nah, there's nobody in there. And I'm like, what do you cost? He's like, dude, I'm not going to charge you for that movie. <laughs> just, just go in with your girl. And I'm like, dude, she's not my girl. He's like, why are you going to this movie? But, you know. <laughs> so I saw Geely for free and regretted every minute of it. Yeah. And so that Ugh. was a big tumble for him. Then Clerks 2 had a little bit of uh, success. Uh, certainly he's been trying to do Clerks 3 and it is uh, continually falling through the hole. Mallrats uh, fell through the hole. That was his, that was his second movie, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so that one, that actually... one crashed and burned, although it's, I think it's really brilliant. Um, you know, so he's had a lot of ups and downs, uh, in his career. And certainly I think once he decided that, Hey, I'm not going to try to work through the Hollywood system and, and start funding things myself, uh, such as he did with the uh, religious, uh, what was that movie? Red state, red state, Red state. Uh, oh, which was God. really, really good. But then Tusk <laughs> kind of fell. Yoga hosers has, uh, I haven't even watched it yet, uh, but not a lot of great things have been said about that. Uh, Moose Jaw is in the works. Uh, certainly he, he's really though had a lot of recent success doing uh, television directing with the CW and doing a lot of stuff with Warner Brothers. So he's going to be directing uh, more episodes of Supergirl in season three. He directed a couple of episodes of the flash. He wants to, he's expressed interest in doing more. So with them, so, you know, he's doing okay. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think, and I don't want to be harsh on the guy, but I think that once he realized that he's not the end all be all of, of great indie Hollywood filmmakers, you know, and he, and he kind of got over his own hype, 
I think that's when he became a better director. Mm. And I see, and this is weird for me because you kind of have to ask yourself in those, those nineties kind of years where you get, you know, your Kevin Smith's and you get your Richard Linklater's you, you're, you're trying to ask yourself, would there have been a nineties as we know them without a Richard Linklater and then a Kevin Smith, or would there have been a Kevin Smith without a Richard Linklater? Would there have even been a nineties? But I feel like Kevin Smith is one of those creators who has his peccadillos, has his flaws, has, you know, some weaknesses that you could even call glaring. I mean, there are moments in every Kevin Smith film that kind of draw you right out of that film. Yeah. Yeah. Many, yeah. many of them are related to, you know, uh, cameos of friends, Brian O'Halloran popping up in every movie as a guy with the last name of Hicks for a while. I'm like, how are these people related? Mm -hmm. It makes you want to build a conspiracy board with little strings and, and pins and things trying to figure out. But it's also kind of a breezy sort of fun attitude. And Kevin Smith, when you are, you know, reading a Kevin Smith joint or watching a Kevin Smith movie or hanging out on the internet and reading about a Kev Kevin Smith joint, <laughs> hush it, uh, you know, and if you go and you see his, uh, just his shows, it's not even a stand up show. It's literally just Kevin Smith talking for an hour, hour and a half. It always feels like you're one of Kevin Smith's pals. You're one oh, of yeah, his sure. buddies. Mm -hmm. Oh no, you know, I like was, Kevin Smith a lot. I really, really like him a lot. Death. Yeah, that was the strength of his daredevil. That was the strength of his green arrow. And I think that that is what the real lesson of clerks is not necessarily is the film itself. Amazing, perfect, transformative, transcendent. But what about this film caught people? And what about this creator? And what is it that he does that no one else does? Well, he's unapologetic. That is, and that's, I think, the biggest yeah. thing. And if you you know, it's one of those things where. Kevin Smith, it's not like you're on a Kevin Smith enemies list, but if you come in and you're like willing to sit down and listen to Veronica explaining what snowballing is, you're one of the, <laughs> you're one of the cool kids and yeah. you can be his friend. Yeah. And I think that's really also snowballing in a bit of a, but in any case. <laughs> played by, uh, played by Scott Mosier, by the way. Yes. Oh, oh, yeah. oh God. My favorite scene in this whole movie. You know, my favorite scene in this whole movie, don't you? No, but I have a feeling you're going to tell us. I'm going to tell you if you want. Okay. Nah, let's so, move on. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, so Matthew, go ahead. About the, he was talking about the hockey game on the roof. Right. right. During the hockey game on the roof, an angry man comes in, played by Scott Mosher, who yells at Dante and says, open the store, I want to buy cigarettes. Open the store, I want to buy cigarettes. And Kevin Smith in the, in the, uh, the, what do you call that? The dialogue thing that talks along. Commentary. When you watch the DVD, the commentary. Thank you. <laughs> He refers to it as his only special effects shot where the guy is like up on the ladder talking to Dante and then Willem also played by Scott Mosier comes up and goes, Hey, are you open? And Scott Mosier looks <laughs> down at Scott Mosier and yells, no. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite part of this whole film. Because again, <laughs> not only do you feel like one of his friends, all of his friends are in the movie and mm -hmm. all of them are pitching in and doing stuff. And it, it just feels very, you know what Zach said, a, a very successful high school play, except you feel like you're one of the guys who helped. You're like, well, and that's certainly one of the great things about Kevin Smith is he's super loyal to his friends. Mm -hmm. And so that's why the people continually pop up on his movies and his shows and his podcasts. And I think that says a lot about uh, someone who's willing to put somebody that they've known for 35 years 
on seven of their podcasts and uh, not make a big deal of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just a, it's a really nice thing to do and shows that loyalty. And, and Smith has that all over the place. Yep. Yeah, it is. I think it was funny because I always forget that uh, one of the guys from the comic book man or whatever the show is on EMC. Mm-hmm. Hey, that I always forget that like they're friends and that he's in this and it like took me by surprise when it, he pops up in the store to buy. I don't even remember you, what he was buying. Yeah. Uh, so it's always really interesting to see uh, them he, pop up. He's uh, in the scene about the specific type of mopper, and he's buying uh, paper towels and Windex. Is that Steve oh. Dave? Uh, he's the guy who says Steve Dave. Oh, okay. Yeah. His name is Walt. Walt yeah, 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 Walt. Walt yeah, 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 yeah. You tell him, Steve of, Dave. Of the, yeah, you tell him, Steve Dave. He says that to Steve Dave. There's also a, an ongoing thing that you hear, and I don't know why, but they will say, as fast as Walt Flanagan's dog... Yeah, I don't know if Walt Flanagan's dog is fast, but you guys need to know that they use it as a comparison for speed. Another example of, you know, somebody who you see over and over again, and it feels like a repertory company. It feels like, you know, uh, like a, 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 a kids in the hall type troupe or a, a Saturday Night Live type troupe where the players, the actors that you know and love who are your buddies and your pals play characters that you know are in the sketch but in your mind you're also thinking okay that's leslie jones i like her and i feel like that's kind of something that smith excels at especially here as we're being introduced to his friends and everybody he knows and his sister and his uh drama teacher what i think we've talked about a few times specifically with clerks and throughout the entire show but i think it's been many many episodes since we've talked about it the fact that so kevin smith made this for twenty seven thousand dollars in, in a time when you had to like buy film you know like yeah. you had to buy film stock yeah and now when you hear an indie film budget it's still gonna be if it's playing at sundance it's probably gonna be a three million dollar movie oh, sure. it's gonna be considered a super small budget right and uh people will be like wow you did this dollars. for you did this for uh, a couple of million dollars. Yeah. It's really impressive. If you want to do clerks, you could do it for so much less than twenty seven thousand dollars mm-hmm. now. Uh, and it is amazing what you could rent for, you know, three weeks from a rental oh, sure. house. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh and yeah. You could rent any camera you want. I mean, you can get a red camera for what five thousand a week or something. I bet you could get it cheaper than that. Yeah, with lenses, with oh, prime oh, lenses, oh, yeah, and with prime lenses and everything. Yeah, yeah, you could probably rent it for three weeks. And for this movie—I don't remember how long his his shoot was, but it was maybe two weeks. Yeah, it's only a ninety-minute film. Yeah, but I would imagine it's only two weeks of shooting. Two, yeah, maybe three. Like if like yeah, being so, super I mean, generous. Yeah, but I mean, you're shoot, you'd be having eight K quality, you know, all that stuff. You could edit it on your laptop. Yeah. So yeah, that, well, you that, can't edit it eight K. You have to. Well, yeah, great. What are called intermediates and all that yeah, kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. So but blah you, blah blah. But if you're shooting on 8K, you probably know that. Yes. And, and if you are shooting on 8K, hey, Patreon.com/slash <laughs> major spoilers. We <laughs> could use your help. And you gotta pay some bills here. That's what I think the continuing legacy of Kevin Smith is mm-hmm. in that he does show you can do really influential work build a career on no money yeah and even now you can don't have to get into a, a you know sundance you don't have to get into a film festival you mm-hmm. can put it online and if it's good enough 
it'll probably be found if you well, put yeah, it in the right so spots. Let me, let me give you an example. I watch a great film. I think it is just now out on digital. It's called Slight. Uh, it's from 2016. It is about a street magician in Los Angeles who is also a drug dealer. He gets on the bad side of his drug dealer and things go really, really bad. At the same time, we learn one of his magic tricks is he's basically embedded an electromagnet in his arm to do his magic tricks. Awesome. And he essentially uses that to take on uh, the gang members. So there's a few special effects in this, but not much, not much. That film today, $250,000 budget still made $3 million. So it's kind of in that same realm, but even cheaper. Uh, Clerks is even cheaper than mm-hmm. this. And slight is a super small, uh, small cast. I mean, it's got some named people in there, uh, but it's, it is really good. And mm-hmm. it shows you what you can do for a small budget. But again, that small budget quarter of a million dollars is still 10 times the clerk's budget. Yeah. I, I think if you want to see another really small budget, I think Primer, the mm-hmm, time travel mm-hmm. movie, I think it was like sixteen to $20,000 back when it was made in like 2007 yeah. or something. Yeah. So it yeah, is- Its budget was $7,000. $7,000, that's crazy. But it only made a half million. Yeah, like it did it. So. I think it's done well once it hit digital mm-hmm. and such like that. That is still like un- a manageable amount of money that you could rent a lot of gear- Mm-hmm. And uh, see what you can make. And like at the minimum, you made something, and that's cool. And you get to put it online, and someone's going to watch it. Someone's well, I think really the cool thing, the bottom it. thing with with Clerks is, it shows people that you can get out there and you can make something. Mm-hmm. And if nothing else, people need to get out there and make something. Whether it's a podcast, a movie that you put up on YouTube, something you try to get distributed a wider amount, whatever it may be, you can do it. If Kevin Smith can do it, mm-hmm. you can do it. That's the bottom line. Yeah, and I think that is the continuing legacy of Clerks, and it is a funny movie, and it is definitely a crude sense of humor that is going to appeal to, you know, eternal 16 to 24-year-olds who will watch it for the first time and then will watch it for the rest of their lives, and it is, uh, I think, a really, really rewatchable film for how simple it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've watched it for, I, I'm not a one person who rewatches films a lot and I've watched this film like four times in like five years. Yeah. So that speaks to some level of, uh, the quality of this film. Is it your favorite Kevin Smith film? That is a good question. Probably. I would say yes. Of all the although Dogma comes in a in a really close second, I, mm-hmm. I think the Mallrats, Dogma, Clerks, those three movies together are in, <laughs> extremely enjoyable and extremely rewatchable together. But I think Clerks probably is my favorite Smith film. Is it yours, Matthew? No. Um, until recently, mine was Chasing Amy. Mm-hmm. But in recent years, and the, as the 20th anniversary approaches, I have come to realize how incredibly offensive that movie is uh, in, in its approach both to Alyssa and to Banky. But yeah, it, it's always been for me an argument between Chasing Amy and Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Mm. Oh, yeah. Because Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back has everything that I love in a movie, and that is references. Um, but, but moreover, it's a movie that has a straight through line. It has more plot than mall rats. It doesn't throw things aside to make a funny joke or to do a, a silly set piece, but it isn't afraid to do that if it wants to. 
And of course, you know, it has the evil girls in leather outfits and it has an orangutan. So, you know, you like it in spite of yourself, but clerks would probably be my second now that chasing Amy is sliding down the racks because, Oh my God, it is so effed up. You guys for me. And it's probably how many Kevin Smith films have you seen Two, or, Oh, okay. Or like a reasonable amount. Have you seen red state? Yeah. Yeah. No, red state's my favorite. Red state's my, have you seen Zach and Mary make a porno? I have seen that. I wasn't counting that. Yeah, I have. Oh seen yeah, that. I forgot have about that seen, one too. Yeah. Have you seen Clerks too? Because Zach and Miri make a porno is more of a Judd Apatow movie than it is a, yeah. a Kevin Smith movie. Yeah. <laughs> At least in the feeling well, of it. Right. Smith directed it. Though. Well, I know, but if it, it like I don't know how many Apatow movies you've watched, but I think I've watched like all of his comedies, and that is all four of them. That is. <laughs> it is. I think I saw "I Love You, Man." Is that an Apatow? Yes. With the, uh, Marshall from How I Met Your Mother and uh-huh, Ant Man. Yeah. Uh huh. Zach and Mary make a porno is Kevin Smith doing Judd Apatow. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it's not as good for, I mean, it's fun. But... It, it, no, it, it's a funny movie and we reference it every once in a while. Uh, but for me, Kevin, uh, Kevin Smith, God, doing, I forget that was a Kevin Smith <laughs> doing red state was such, I watched, yeah. I watched that movie three times in the first week. Oh, and, and, and again, we've insane. talked about it before on this show. Yeah. If you have not listened to his red state podcast where he walks oh, yeah. you through, this entire movie, then you're missing out. You need to listen to that, yeah. po- that whole podcast series, watch the movie and then listen to that podcast series again. Cause it is just, really a, a course on filmmaking. Just watch that movie guys. And yeah, you, no, you it's really good. Through podcast. All three of us agree. Go watch that movie. That should tell you something. But I think Kevin Smith, as much as he hasn't been successful in the box office has to be, considered one of the more influential filmmakers of steering culture at least in since whenever I was born 91 you know when three years 91. later he makes his, makes his first film and he's influenced a lot <sighs> of filmmakers and culture and uh, seeing what he does is impressive I was drinking beer when I was in, in 91 oh good job <laughs> because I wasn't drinking it before I was 21 yeah. wink <laughs> wink <laughs> Because that is wrong and bad, and no one should do those kinds of things. No, of course not. So it was it was nice that we could finally have a full episode devoted to Kevin Smith's yeah, I just, film. I should have instead reached out of, to him and tried to get him on. I'm instead, sure he would have loved to come I'm on sure. and talk. Instead yeah. of just like referencing his work every other episode on the podcast, it was mm-hmm. nice that we could we could talk about oh, clerks. I forgot cop out. Oh yeah, cop oh, out. Oh God. Oh, oh God. I have. I think I've only seen a quarter of that movie. I went to the theater to see that because I was Did like, you I'm really? behind you 100% Kevin Smith. And then I saw the movie and I was like, okay, I see what you're doing with the film because it's supposed to be an 80s cop, right. buddy cop movie, right? And then right. all of a sudden he's like, oh, let me tell you. And then I was like, well, this is yes. a great movie, but I see where you're going. And then you hear all the sh- the stuff that went down and it's like, oh, I'm so sorry, Kevin yeah. Smith. Don't watch Cop Out, just li- or watch the Netflix. It's on Netflix. It's like a night out with Kevin Smith and it's a Q&A, yes. mm-hmm. except it is Where question, question and answer because it is an hour and a half answer to one question. Oh yeah, question. if you get to watch any of those A Night with Kevin Smith uh, stuff, definitely watch them because they're well worth it. At one time, Kevin Smith was in talks to, um, I don't know, I don't think he was in talks to direct, but he was certainly one of the ones uh, hired to write the Superman uh, movie. Oh yeah. That's uh-huh. a good one. Superman lives. Yeah. Super- Superman, mm-hmm. Nick Cage. Is yeah. Bad, Superman, maybe. Nick Cage. 
<laughs> yes. Superman, Nick Cage, mullet Superman. So bottom line, uh, Clerks, great movie, end. very influential movie. Uh, maybe not the best from the technical or acting standpoint, but it's solidly written. It is, uh, I think, an inspiration to a lot of filmmakers who are working in the industry today. And I, I think it's a thumbs up. Matthew, you, you echo his sentiment? I do. An interesting postscript to this movie. You know who wound up in that dark bedroom with Brad? Chess team Alan Harris. The two moved to Idaho together after graduation. They raised sheep. Matthew likes this movie, is what he's trying to say. Uh, a little bit. A little it, bit. Is, it is a film that someday in the future, I look forward to sitting my future son down and being like, son... It is time. You will Malcolm, now watch son, Malcolm. my son Malcolm. It is time for you to watch Clerks. Uh, you know that crazy guy on the internet's been referencing it still, uh, but now you get to know everything he's been mentioning for the last Wait, fifteen. Did you years. just call me that crazy guy on the internet? No, I was just no, speaking, speaking collectively about uh, Kevin Smith. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. I don't yeah. know whether I'm more offended if you did or more offended <laughs> if you didn't. So yeah, Malcolm's going to be. Like if you haven't seen, that point, right? your wife watch this. Oh God, no! <laughs> I she has been in the room and I've watched it before, and uh, she had a very long day yesterday. And also, again, reminder: she is very pregnant. She was on the couch and was not fighting sleep as hard as she usually does when I watch films. She kind of just gave into it pretty fast. Oh, okay. And, and went oh, to, and then went to bed. Give his last name. Was Kevin Smith. <laughs> the animation in the credits. Uh, to begin this film wasn't even done <laughs> yeah. before she was asleep. The clown. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's it for this week's episode of Zach on Film, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head over to Majorspoilers.com where you can find this podcast posting page and give us your favorite line of clerks and give us all of your great memories and you can discuss anything we've missed about uh, the greatness that is clerks or anything else we've discussed on this episode. While you're there... Click on that Amazon.com link where you could definitely buy a Blu-ray copy of Clerks. Oh, yeah. Definitely get the one that has the original cut and yeah. the theatrical cut because that is totally worth it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's not going to cost you any extra when you buy that version of Clerks when you use that link over at Majorspoilers.com. But a little money will come to Major Spoilers when you use it. And so we thank you every time you use that. That's right. Uh, Steven, what's up next week? I don't have the counter. Oh, next week on Zach on Film, we will be talking about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, Oh, yeah. Very excited. That is next week on Zach on Film. This podcast is copyright 2017 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. So, you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out, everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. 
coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.